I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Welcome back to Canto by Dispatch. Today, I'm Brittany, and joining me today, as always, is my friend, Emily Lynn. Hi, Emily. Hi, Brittany. How are you? I am doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I saw that you were looking up. Are you, like, look looking for some wisdom from the Lord or something? Yes. Wow. It's one of those days, huh? Yeah. Wow. I, I think it's just one of those years, but, you know. <laughs> one of those, you know, centuries, you know. Yeah. We're getting really close to celebration, and my anxiety is uh, not doing too good. Or actually, my anxiety is doing really well. <laughs> it is having free reign of everything. I had to pack just to get my mind off of it. And it didn't work, obviously, but at least I'm, I'm packed mostly. I assembled all my dresses. I still need to get some other stuff together, but um, I'm pretty good. I did the vaccine stuff, so I downloaded that app and gave them all my information. So hopefully that's not used against me one day. Let's see. Are you, are you entered into the lotteries? The unexpected lottery that was dropped at 7 o'clock in the morning yesterday? Yes. Um, I am in lottery for two panels, uh, Lucasfilm panel and the Mando Plus panel. And I know you're probably for those two and the Bad Batch panel, correct? I am I am in everything, and that's just because I, like, went in as part of a group. So somebody actually just, like, put me in. And so I figure if... I get into one I don't actually want to go to, like that light and magic one. I'll send my code to somebody else. Thanks, Emily. I really appreciate it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, it was it was weird, it, it, especially with the group stuff because like I had already signed up and some people were like, "Hey, join my group," and I'm like, "I can't. I already did it. I got too excited." But that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I have yeah that, and I don't quite understand how that system works, but whatever, we'll see. Eh. Like I don't know, like really, I really want into that, you know, the Lewis film spot or whatever the fuck they're calling it thing, because I feel like that's where we're most likely to get something cool. But 
at the end of the day, I miss it. I miss it. Like, meh. That's the only one I really like want to go to. I feel like the first day panels are always the best. So we'll see. And I don't really give two shits about Mando Plus. Even though I signed up, I'm like, eh. You know, I get to hear Dave say things that'll annoy me, but at least he'll see John Favreau and possibly Pedro. So it works. Um, and then I was looking through the store exclusives. I figure I'll try to get into the store at some point and hopefully it's less of a shit show than last time because I really want a frog lady plush. I know. I do too. I remember last celebration, there were like random stands like in the in the big showroom that we're like selling the plushies too so hopefully like if you don't get into one of those you can just try to get a frog lady from one of those places yeah or if any of our friends are get into the store and there's a frog lady available please get me a frog lady and i will give you money for the frog lady (laughs) just grab all the frog ladies we need a home there's nothing else I want. I just want the frog lady. I love the alphabet uh, blanket. That's cute, but I feel like that's something you like put in a nursery, which is not something I have need for. And I have enough shirts and shit, you know. I don't need any more shirts, especially not t-shirts. I'm always disappointed in the shirts. I I thought that at least for Attack of the Clones, they'd have some, like, 2002 Natalie Portman shirts or something. And it's like, damn. Like, that's all I want is 2002 Natalie Portman, and I've got nothing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. But slowly getting everything together, getting plans, getting meetups. Um, got my tickets for Steel's live show featuring fan fiction written by our very own Emily. Yeah, uh, uh, as of recording this anyway, tickets are still available. You should do that. That is on the Saturday night. It goes for like five hours, so there's going to be lots of like just hang around with people before the show. Then there'll be lots of, you know, like there'll be people talking about whatever's been happening during the con. And then we'll do the fanfic. Uh, I, <laughs> I was going to say I submitted the fanfiction to Steel today. Uh, and then he had some uh, studio notes, I guess you would say. Uh, and so I had to make some revisions. He also had some very detailed suggestions. Some of which I took and some of which I humored him on and said I would take and then did not but some of them were good and i think are gonna get uh, a pretty decent reaction from the crowd it is yeah and i I, i'm very interested to see what people think of this because i don't know how i think of it because i was really without getting into spoilers writing two characters i don't know particularly well which is hard because most of the time when I've been doing this before, like with Krennic or Tarkin, I know all their dialogue because they don't have that much dialogue. And so it was very easy to pull things. And this was much more difficult. Although I do have one line that I am 
exceptionally proud of. And when you hear it in the fan fiction, you will know what it is because it is horrific and I cannot wait. Does he normally do studio notes for your fan fiction writings? There have there have not been notes in the past. I asked him for help last time because I didn't I just didn't have an end. Like I couldn't figure out an end. This time I had an end, but he had some other ideas and some stuff he wanted to put in. Again, it works. I, I think it is I think it's funny and it also works like just with the show as a whole. And stuff I think will get a reaction. But yeah, there there were notes and I was I was a little maybe a little bit resistant, but I'm, you know, I mean, yeah, I, that's normal, you know, like, that's like someone telling me, you know, as a redhead, you know, being like giving me like how to keep my red hair tricks or red hair alive. And then they don't even have red hair. And I'm thinking, why would I listen to you? You can't just like magically grow red hair. Like it doesn't come from a fucking plant. It comes from my head. I made better and actually didn't tell Steele this, although he probably knew from the time of day, which is. I was just sitting in my office, like, on the phone to him, like, at work, while just in the middle of the day. I mean, technically, I could have been on my lunch break, but also, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. At one point, one of my co-workers came to drop off a package that arrived for me. So that was fun. Oh, I hope you're, like, mid-conversation, like, talking about, like, <laughs> something like... Ooh. Uh, I also got a preview of the art that our very kind and talented friend Chris Hall is doing that is going to be sold as prints at the show with the proceeds going to Amidala Initiative, so to Equality Texas. Um, I, I cannot wait to see the finished product myself. Also, I'm very excited for other people to see it. Uh, I think like it'll be like on the merch table but i think we might not put it on the merch table until after the fanfic is read because that way it will remain a surprise i like that uh, do you, yeah 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 that's that's my plan anyway um it looks incredible so far i just i i need to see the finished product and i it the whole the whole concept of it when chris explained it to me made me laugh very hard and i just i'm so excited Man, I wish I could put that on, like, my water jugs or something. But then, like, <laughs> people are going to ask me questions. And, like, I don't like to answer, like, Star Wars questions, like, in places that aren't Star Wars. Because then people are going to ask even more questions. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just keep it. You know? Just, that's it. Yeah, it might be. It'd be an interesting one to, to have hung on your wall. But... I don't know. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. I am I'm nervous about it just because, I mean, there's a thing that I wrote, and that makes me nervous because what like what if people don't think it's funny? Funny, funny makes me more much more nervous than like oh like I because I like I can deal with people you know like emotional writing or something like that because I think I can do that pretty well. But funny, I don't know. That's that's scary because if people don't laugh. Then, then you fucked the whole night, basically. I mean, I'll laugh. I, th I think you're funny. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> but uh, we're yeah. So the the cast is still being assembled, but um, Randy, God bless him, 
will once again be narrating it like he has all of them so far. (laughs) This time he was smart enough to ask for a copy beforehand so he won't be uh, taken by surprise, which I think will be good because (laughs) he has to say some things that are pretty fucked. So, Well, uh, I'll submit my resume to... uh... Hollywood Steel for review. Um, actually, I don't know if that'd be like a good idea because I think I'd be like laughing the whole time. But I am excited. I think it's going to be a fun show, and I'm glad that you're doing this once again. And yeah, it should be fun. It's a good venue, I think. Um, good people, good places, good. I don't know. There should be beer there since it's at like a brewery, right? Or at least to like a bar. Oh yeah, like it's an event space, so they have drinks. No, uh, no, it, it'll be fun. <clears throat> and the story's done now. I mean, I need to do one more edit just to make sure there's no like weird fucking typos that'll throw people off when they're reading it for the first time. So, other than that, I'm I'm so glad it's done. I know. I, you know, I have had. Let's be real. I've had three years to write this. Or like two and a half years, you know, like, but I, I th- no, no, it's too, it's p- doing, it's painful. I hate it. And I, I, I genuinely, seriously, like as much as I enjoy the actual like performance part of it, writing it is miserable. I know. I was just about to tell you, wow, like you finished it like right on, you know, right before schedule. Then I'm like, oh wait, celebrations next week. Yeah. <laughs> you literally finish it like a week before it was due and I'm thinking I do I the mean, same it's thing not, it's not like having it done before would have helped anything you know I mean it's obvious like it needed to be done now because I know Steel does a lot of work pulling sound cues and stuff mm-hmm. but it's not he wouldn't have been doing that three years ago but still I sh- like I should have had it done like a week ago and I just I kept putting it off because First of all, I just procrastinate everything ever, but also because it makes me so uncomfortable to write. Well, I think this one will be your best one yet. (laughs) Look, there's no, be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director, which is the greatest line I'll ever write, but there is something that is pretty damn good. I don't know, though. I think that first one, like, still holds, like, a... I don't know. Like I, I love that first one because that was the one where I was like, I think this person's cool. I'd like to be <laughs> friends with this person. And guess what, fuckers? I did it. Yeah, that was that was because that was the one I wasn't there for. So that was the one I turned off my computer when I know the show was starting because I didn't want. I was terrified, but then people really liked it. It's interesting. To see what gets a reaction. Because there's some stuff I know will get a reaction. And then there's other stuff that surprises me. Like I just had a... And that first one, which was um, Krennic and Mon Mothma. I had, I had some line about how oh she arched her back like a goth cat. <laughs> and it got such a big laugh. And I'm like, I thought that line was kind of funny. But I didn't think it would get like a... I didn't think it was like a huge laugh line. And so when I was like eventually managed to make myself listen to the episode I'm like oh that's interesting 
it's just, it's just, it's cool to see lines that you did not expect. I just think it's funny because it's a cat, and you're thinking of like a cat, <laughs> and then you're you're thinking of Mon Mothma. They're just, it's like it, it's all connected. Speaking of Mon Mothma, oh, yes. Do you like that transition? Oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Even better when I when I phrase myself for the transition. I just it makes it so much smoother. But we actually have some Star Wars stuff to talk about that came out this morning. I could not believe it that it did not come out tomorrow morning because that has been our luck for the past five years. I feel like it's 2017 all over again. <laughs> so uh, Anthony Bresdikin, the Brez over at Vanity Fair, formerly of Entertainment Weekly, Star Wars reporter extraordinaire, did his big Star Wars article and it is uh, just talking about the future of Star Wars, um, kind of all the shows that they have lined up. And um, once again, you have Annie Leibovitz doing the photos. And there is one in particular with Andor, which is fine. He's handsome. But it also has Mon Mothma, which is... Okay, here's, there's two things that I love about this. One is... I mean, Guinevere O'Reilly is just fucking gorgeous, and she's in this amazing silver dress with like this weird cape coat thing that's incredible. And it has what I love. I also love that it has like the little like ropes, like her classic costume, like the little rope chain things. I like that's just her look. But I also just like that she's in this because I mean, she's a big part of the show. Like, she is right up front and center with Diego in these photos. And they say in the article that her story is going to parallel the story of Cassian. And so I think it's going to be her, you know, becoming the leader we know her to be. While we also see Cassian becoming further involved in the rebellion and you know, deciding to fight for something. And I think that's all. Cause I kind of had been thinking she was just going to like be a cameo who kind of popped in and said something wise once and again, you know, now and again, like every episode she'd have a line being like, you know, some hopeful note, some wise little adage to teach Cassian a lesson. But instead it seems like she's actually going to be a character. And that makes me very happy because my mom is fucking awesome. I'm excited for Andor, though. I think that Andor should be fun spy thriller show that we'll probably find out more about Celebration because we know absolutely nothing about this shit. Yeah, but it's really cool because when... um, uh, So part of the article, Diego Luna is talking about how, um, uh, you know, Tony Gilroy called him to talk about him in the show and he really sold it to him as like a, a an immigrant story and a refugee story and i think i think that's super cool so we're going to see i mean presumably some flashbacks of young andor you know like his like losing his home world and then how that you know how you deal with being an exile in a galaxy run by 
you know, a fascist empire. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome story. I know I'm skimming through the article right now, and I see that awesome picture of Hayden Christensen training with McGregor's uh, stunt double. I'm so glad Hayden's back. I'm not sure how Kenobi is going to be still, but it's so nice to see Hayden again. It's just it's such a nice cup of tea, like seeing Hayden and Ewan back together. Like, I don't know. Then, like, Ewan's, uh, I think they got married. His wife now is going to be in, in Kenobi, too. And, like, oh, I think she's in. Oh, um, yeah, she's in uh, Ahsoka. Yeah. Ahsoka. Yeah. And that's fun. Like, what a nice little Star Wars fam. Like, it's like me and Carlos. Like, they're like the me and Carlos of, like, the, of actual Star Wars. Um, also, oh, also, so according to this article, at least, Andor is going to be late summer. Which I think we kind of knew, but not really. Late this summer? Yeah, 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 oh. yeah. And then, um, next season of Mando will be either end of this year or beginning of next year. And then Ahsoka will be sometime after that. God, they're really busting out Mando real quick. The longer Grogu's away from the screen, the angrier people get, I guess. Oh, so here's a quote from from Goroy about um, about Andor. The show and the character. This guy gave his life for the galaxy, right? I mean, he consciously, soberly, without vanity or recognition, sacrificed himself. Who does that? That's what this first season is about. It's about him being really revolution-averse and cynical and lost and kind of a mess. Uh, And then the story begins with the destruction of Andor's birth world, then follows him in adulthood when he realizes he can't run forever. And then back to Tony Gilroy. His adopted home will become the base of our whole first season, and we'll watch that place become radicalized, Gilroy says. Then we see another planet that's completely taken apart in a colonial kind of way. The Empire is expanding rapidly. They're wiping out anybody who's in their way. By journeys in, Andor's path will block theirs. And then he also talks about how the show will focus on the enigmatic rebel leader, Mon Mothma. And he calls it a huge orchestral Dickensian ensemble cast. Fuck, that sounds cool. I mean, because one of the things I'm so interested in is like what it is to to just be on one of the random worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and we've we've seen a little, we've seen a little bit of that in um, uh, Resistance of all places, and in and 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 they touched on it some in Bad Batch. I think probably more successfully, but I think if that's like a real focus of the show, and I like the idea of just staying on one or two planets, because then you can see a whole arc of what happens to them. And I, fuck, man, I think I think this show is going to be really good. I, I I hope so because it's just the one I'm most excited for. I mean, both in terms of the the spy stuff, but also just the stuff that Gilroy was saying here. And now knowing Mon Mothma is going to be a big part of it. Uh, they still have not mentioned anything about villains at all, except just vaguely saying the Empire. God damn it, give me Mendo. Emily, like, we have no choice. I think we're going to find out next Thursday that, you know, I think that's our boy. I just... 
it makes sense. You know, like it like it just makes sense to bring him in. He's a bad guy we already have. He's in the goddamn movie that this dude did. I mean, it's better than just like bringing in some random guy named Steve and being like, Steve's the bad guy. And then he like dies at the end of it. It's like, who cares? <laughs> Grand Moff Grand Steve. Moff Steve. Look, I'd also be very, very happy with Tarkin, but I'm only going to be very happy with Tarkin if there's an actual person playing with Tarkin. I, because I, I need like a, an actor with real eyes to look at and not a robot cartoon. So, if they recast Tarkin, I might be just as happy with Tarkin as I would be with Krennic. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping that they go like the recasting route because um, this Steve deepfake route that they've been going through uh needs to burn and die unfortunately this vanity fair article seems to suggest the entire opposite thing and that kathleen kennedy seems to put all the blame of solo being a failure on the fact that they recast han solo and now the fact that they didn't market the movie at all and it just wasn't a very good movie and so she talks about not recasting and that is the wrong lesson to learn oh i mean it's also just weird because that's one example of recasting not necessarily working and look i don't think i don't think he's particularly good in solo i also think he is far down on the list of problems with that movie oh and in that very movie you have some fucking great recasting because donald glover is incredible as Lando and yes Lando certainly is not as iconic as Han Solo and so it is different to recast that character than it is to recast one of the main trilogy I mean the main trio but that's yeah that it worries me incredibly much that they're outright saying recasting is bad Solo was bad because it was bad it wasn't bad because of Alden. It was bad because it was just terribly written. Like, they could have written a good story, and it could have been good, and he would have been fine, but they decided to fridge some character, stick some innocent person in the Falcon, and just call it a day. Yeah, it's not... And also, again, they, like it came out at a bad time of year. They started marketing, like, two weeks before the goddamn movie came out. They, uh... It had like huge movies around it, and I just I, I hate the fact that they're coming out and going. Well, this means we gotta go fucking robot cartoons from here on out. And and in the same article, there else he's also like talking about how how important it is to establish new characters for new generations to have their own heroes. I'm like, okay, that's all good. Then I mean, first of all. Stop making robot cartoons of the old characters. Also, get away from this fucking 20 years you have carved from thousands of years of space and actually tell some new stories. Why don't we get new characters for our kids to look up to instead of old characters that you keep putting on people's faces and it costs too much money and just hire some fucker on... Hire someone. Like, just stop bringing mark in mark's tired i'm tired characters who are in live action now who were previously in animated form do not count as new characters 
So like, it's encouraging that to hear her say that, except for the fact that we have so much proof that they're not willing to actually do that. And, and it's such just such a mixed bag because on the one hand we get um, they she they we do touch on the acolyte and it's supposed to be set a hundred years before Phantom Menace, which puts it at like the very end of the High Republic area era. Like I think so. Like a. So I think it would be like a hundred years after where the books of High Republic are, because I think the books are two hundred years before Phantom Menace. I could be wrong in that. I don't quite know how long the High Republic lasted. But anyway, Acolyte is the end of the High Republic era. That's a place we haven't explored before. Um and and Leslie Hudland talks about when she was, you know, watching the the prequel trilogy really wondering how the Jedi got to this point where they could be fooled by, you know, the Sith, where they were in this like really militarized thing, like how they, how they became that from these, you know, glorious Knights of the Round Table, protectors of the peace kind of thing. And so I think that could be really interesting. But then the other new show they talk about is this one, we had heard rumors of before um, the codename Grammar Rodeo that was it's going to be the kids one and that had been rumored to be about like set in the High Republic era following some like Padawans or whatever but apparently it is set like everything except the Acolyte and I guess and or it is set fucking post um, Return of the Jedi Wow, what an era that we are not familiar with at all. So it just seems inevitable that it's going to be some kids learning from goddamn cartoon Luke Skywalker. Maybe it won't be. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. I mean, first of all, this show is not for me because it's about like little kids. And it's like they describe it as like an Amblin style coming of age. Like, you know, that sort of Goonies shit that I don't like. That's fine, but Jesus Christ, you're not. I don't. I don't need to see a bunch of precocious kids sitting around listening to a drawing of Luke Skywalker give them life lessons. <sighs> Coming of age. What is this like a John Cusack film? <laughs> John, John, John Cusack came of age quite a while ago, but yes. Dude is old and crazy. Oh, he's crazy? Oh, yeah. He's a fucking weirdo. I never knew that. And I haven't really yeah. watched a lot of his films. And everyone always gives me shit for not watching, like, The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink and Sixteen no, Candles. Not in, not in any of those movies. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of that director. You're thinking the director. Yeah. 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 Oh, wait. Are they two separate people? Well, there's John Cusack, the actor. And there's there's two? Okay, John Cusack is the actor. Okay. John Hughes oh, is the director. Oh, I'm thinking John Hughes. Yeah, John Hughes. Yeah, I'm thinking of John Hughes. John Cusack did do, like, some teenage romantic comedy, like, uh, Say Anything and, and stuff like that. So he And he's around that era. But actor, not a director. It was close. 
I was really close. Both named John. Yeah. It was really close. Let's just give me that. (sighs) We haven't had a Brittany misunderstanding for a while, so. I know. Like, this is such a rare day for us to get Star Wars news and a misunderstanding, (laughs) a bad euphemism. Like, just, it's a nostalgic day here. Let's see. Oh, we also got some updates on the movies, so. Kathleen Kennedy says Ryan Johnson's movies are on the back burner. I think that is probably meaning they're never actually going to happen. But she talks about how he's really busy doing Knives Out and the other movies he has committed from Netflix. And I say fucking good for him. Stay far away. As much as I want to see him do Star Wars, I also really, really like him and want him to be happy. And I don't think directing Star Wars movies is a way to be happy. Um, But from what Bresnikin was saying, it sounds and and look, obviously things change, but Bresnikin is more reliable than you know most of the other people who report on quote unquote news of Star Wars. He says right now it seems that Taiko Atiti's movie is probably the next one, and the uh, Jenkins Rogue Squadron would be after that. Another interesting thing, and this is like I mentioned before, flat out lies that I think are being told. That is, he asked her, uh, Kathleen, about um, the Kevin Feige thing. And she, I'm trying, I mean, I can't. Oh, where is the exact quote? Is it the. Uh, is it true that Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige will produce a Star Wars film? I would love to see what movie he might come up with, Kennedy says. But right now, there isn't anything specifically. Yes, that is very weird since I think just last week we had the thing about the guy who's writing the Kevin Feige movie talking about writing the Kevin Feige movie. So, somebody is lying there. Either way, it's weird. Just the timing on it is very strange. You would think that that she would look over this before, like it being published, and then. <sighs> well, look. I mean, she said it. Like, I, I don't. If if there is a movie being worked on, it's strange that she can't just be like, "Yeah, he's working on something," but we're not. You know, we don't have specifics yet. But instead, she makes it seem very nebulous as to if it's even happening, and it, that could just be Lucasfilm's whole mysterious fucking we can't ever let know anybody know what's happening ever or or it could be true and god knows if that movie is actually a thing at all i just think everyone likes to be so secretive about everything so like they lose track of like what they're supposed to be secretive about and this is a consequence of your actions yeah it does seem like a weird thing to be secretive about a producer of a movie should not be a secret that is insane. Star Wars is weird. Like, I understand you you don't want to be like, yeah, we have a Kevin Feige movie lined up. It's about this, this, and this, and this person is directing, and we're going into casting soon. Totally understand that. But to be like, eh, maybe, maybe he's going to produce something for us. Maybe he's not is strange. Uh, there's also some stuff in there with... Filoni and Favreau, which I don't particularly care about, except for what I did not know, which is how resistant Dave and other people at Lucasfilm were 
to Favreau's idea of the little baby Yoda. Fuck Dave. Everybody tried to talk about the little baby Yoda. Which is... There'd be no show without the little baby Yoda. We're listening to Mr. Clone Wars about what we should do with future Star Wars. And he says, you know what? No, baby Yoda. Like, no fun. I'm no fun Favreau. Here is my hat collection. <laughs> well, why is he? Okay, first of all, I think he'd be no fun Filoni. Not no fun Favreau. Oh, that's right. God damn it. What the <laughs> fuck is up with this? It's like I have COVID brain again. I don't know. It kind of made me laugh. But also, it's a little baby Yoda. Yeah, that's just it's crazy. Like, why, why no baby? Like, what were we supposed to have? Like a, like a baby Twilight or something? Or no, I think they just like if if it wasn't a little baby Yoda, it was just going to be a, like a completely different plot. It sounds like, but I mean, thank thank fuck, he stuck to his guns on that one. Yeah, and he talks about how they like went through lots of permutations of concept drawings for the little baby Yoda because they didn't want to make him too cute like he had to be a little bit ugly I mean he is the cutest thing ever but I think he is like if you actually look at him he is the cutest thing ever in that kind of slightly weird gremlin way he's not like puppy dog cute there's something about him being a little green blobby monster that makes him all the cuter I think it's his face I think like the ears add the ears add to it, but I think it's the wrinkles too. Because and just the, the eyes are so well done. It's like he's like a cute Benjamin Button. <laughs> Do you ever see that movie? I saw parts of it. I'm not into those movies, like those like romantic films. Even though like my my trying to make my life one when I was like. 15 yeah so yeah this article mixed bag cool stuff about andor very happy about my mothma i want her pretty pretty dress also want to make out with her because she is strikingly gorgeous um but then also the you know ryan the you know the confirmation that the ryan johnson thing isn't happening in the foreseeable future and the stupidity of yay deep fakes boo actors thing stupid <sighs> no mention whatsoever of the Lando show I think that is DOA which is a shame because he's awesome as Lando but again dude can be going out doing much better things in Star Wars so yeah, I'm excited for the, the future of Star Wars, I guess, which is weird because I'm usually really pessimistic and negative about the future of Star Wars. But I think that maybe they have the opportunity to not make us angry. Maybe. maybe. Let's see. Look, I think Andrew's going to be good, and I am cautiously optimistic about uh, Acolyte. Obi-Wan, who knows? I don't know. Maybe. We'll know in like a week. Why would they put helicopter lightsaber? In live action. That's my question. Maybe they won't. Maybe it'll just be the... Maybe they just have them and they don't use them to helicopter. That's going to be like the first thing they do. Like the first scene of the show is going to be someone <sighs> lightsaber helicoptering. <laughs> wee woo, wee woo. 
oh god i can't i can't deal with it i think i might not be able to watch the show if they do it i have a hard enough time with jetpacks well, well at least we'll be able to watch it together yeah that might not be a good thing i mean nay i i i don't think you're right i don't know i don't i don't like other people's opinions I just want to be able to watch a thing. You're, I'm going to know when you're watching it, and then I'm just going to be like texting you my opinions the whole time. <laughs> no, I don't think there's a TV in our room, unfortunately. I think all the other rooms have TVs, but ours. Well, uh, yeah, somehow I don't think everybody's going to be sitting in their individual room <laughs> watching it. Some people might be private. I don't know. Well, like, here's the thing is, I don't want to watch with other people because then I feel like they are judging whether I like it or not. And I'm like, it's like, oh, Emily's such a grump because she doesn't like this show. But I can't not watch it with people because then I'm the grump who doesn't want to watch with other people. It's a lose-lose situation. It's a win-win because I get to watch a show with Emily and then I get to hear what she thinks because I love hearing what you think, <laughs> even if it's positive or negative. I, I don't know. Fucking maybe I'll like it. I like you and... Well, you think that Eric's just going to text me individually and be like, hey, Brittany, yeah. I don't think I like Emily. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> I mean, I got to say, I think Eric might be texting you being like, what the fuck is that impression of me? But. I already had to reassure Chris Hall that I would not be mean about the show in front of people while they were watching it. I'm like, God damn, dude. I know I'm a grump, but. I want to hear that you hate it. I want to hear that you want it to burn to the ground. Yeah, but that's afterwards when we're talking about it. I want to hear it. It's no. not while the show is happening. I do. I'm not going to do it while the show is on and everybody else is like, oh, that's so awesome. I'm not going to be sitting there going, well, that's fucking stupid. I'll be thinking that was fucking stupid, but I won't say it out loud. Because I'm not rude. You're nicer than me. I remember watching Book of Boba and just me sitting there the whole time being like, this is fucking garbage. And Carlos being like, wow, look, it's Luke Skywalker. I'm like, fuck this place. Fuck this show. Fuck Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah. I add all that just me saying it out loud to my television. Very upsetting. Fucking Luke Skywalker. What a piece of shit. Hated it. Terrible babysitter. He shouldn't have even passed babysitting school. <sighs> I mean, most of the Jedi are bad babysitters, I guess. At least most of the Jedi that we know. I feel like we don't know any good Jedi. <sighs> All of- I mean, none of them are none of them are good with like kids or not getting people killed or resisting fascism which are all things that I think the Jedi should be good at I think there's some good Jedi in the High Republic though I stopped reading those books because I just fell too far behind and now I don't remember anything that happened but some of them are pretty cool well at least I get to see you in a week god damn yeah a week because I'm going to have to be getting up at the fucking like four o'clock in the morning on Wednesday to catch a goddamn flight. At least you can sleep on the plane. Yeah, hopefully. 
Yeah. Well, there's always time for naps at the at the place, you know, because sometimes like mid afternoon naps are the best. Because then you wake up and then like it's nighttime. It's time to party. And and I then I just I'll just be energized by being around people who I like, which would be a good change. I know. Okay. Gonna get out of my head for a while. Yeah, this should be fun. I know. I'm still trying to figure out like what to do that Wednesday night because I have to go pick up the wristbands. And then. Oh yeah, we got to do that. And then I think we're going to go to downtown Disney. I was thinking that we can go to like downtown Disney, like get some Dole Whip. I wanted to get some beignets because the beignets at the Jazz Kitchen are really good. And then right. that sounds good. Yeah, I could maybe get dinner somewhere or something. I'll probably make a like a dining reservation or something. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, the world is our oyster. Yeah. Now, Brittany, do you have something to present to our audience today? Long, long ago, in a simpler time, an innocent time. As a young woman found her place in an ever-changing world, she found solace in her diary. And now, we get to share in those warm and heartfelt memories in another edition of The Brittany Brown Diary, narrated by Brittany herself, with interjections from Emily Lind. And now, here is your host, Brittany Brown. I have an entry from September of 2010. Let me tell you what was going on in September of 2010. This was after the infamous summer of 2010, where a lot happened that, you know, changed everything, which I will eventually get back to. And everything has been changed. I am now a sophomore in high school, you know, doing high school things, you know, playing sports. You know, some of my friends have transitioned from eighth grade to freshman year. So I'm with some of my friends again. And, you know, some of those friends are dating and I might be dating too. Like it just, it it, it happens, you know, but still in the back of my head, there's Chuck being fucking Chuck, just fucking chucking away at my life, just being Chuck. And you'll see how Chuck is being chucking. So the quote for this entry is after I finally admitted it it made me fall out okay but I know but we all know that's a lie we all know that's a lie because yeah all right um this entry is titled the way I loved you which is also a a Taylor Swift song from her album fearless (laughs) okay I have the appropriate melodrama levels set in my head all right all right september 5th 2010 the past few weeks have been all right i went to the river with blair last week and that was fun other shit happened but i forgot anyways (laughs) this week has been really good i feel like there's like a naboo in this a bunch of shit happened but i forgot um anyways this week has been really good It started off really bad because Chuck talked to me on Facebook about being friends again. I said yes, and it bothered me for the next two days. I didn't know what I wanted to do. The next Tuesday night came, and that's when I almost fell again. But someone saved me. 
but that will be explained later. Chuck texted me and apologized. I then asked if I could talk to him, and I, of course, went apeshit on him and then confessed to him that my life is really fucked up right now. He then gave me some advice, told me he still liked me, and made me want to do everything all over again. I loved him even more when he admitted that. He almost made me fall again. He twisted his words and made me want to fall again. It worked at first, but then something happened. On Friday, I met Dan for the first time. Him and Blair, of course, made out, but then she had to leave. Me and Dan then hung out in the quad and went to the football game. I even met his parents. We talked about his past and all, and then he started to talk to me about something no one cared about. He told me that he knew I was in love with Chuck. He is the first person ever who got me to admit that. Yes, I love Chuck. But then I thought for a second, why am I still doing this? It's like I actually, after I admitted it, it made me feel out of love. Dan saved me. He made me realize everything. We also talked more about him and how he used to be a player and very hilarious stuff. Like what he does when he gets a boner. We even (laughs) We even talked about Blair and how we both can't trust her. He's giving her a second chance, so that's cool, I guess. But yeah, I'm happy that I'm actually not really in love with Chuck anymore. I can finally move on now. And then you moved on. And nothing bad ever happened again. Thank you, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Telling you what he did with his boner. Jesus. I just love how 15-year-old me was like, I'm really connecting with this guy. And I love what he told me about what he does with his boner. <laughs> like, and I don't even know the context of this. Like, I don't know if it's like, oh, like, you know, if he's in class, if he gets a boner or like, because it's like, I, I know what happens when a man gets a boner. Like, and then it all of a sudden it doesn't become a boner anymore. But I I don't know. But um that time with Dan was nice that, t- that no one had given me that opportunity yet to just really express how mm-hmm. I felt about Chuck. So that was really cool of Dan to kind of just like sit with me and be like, I know you love Dan. I know you love Chuck. And like, we can't trust Blair, even though I just made out with Blair like 20 minutes ago, like we can't trust her. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because Blair was fucking with Chuck during the summer. And I didn't like that. Well, I mean, she wasn't really fucking with him, but like he wanted to fuck her and all like I I wanted I wanted Chuck for myself, but he was so yeah, in love with Blair. But I mean, it's Blair. It's Blair and Chuck. Like I it's not it's not Chuck and Brittany. It's it's Blair and Chuck. So yeah. I don't like Chuck. That was a common theme in 2010. So you would get along with, like, everyone I knew in 2010 because you agreed with that. <laughs> 2010, I had been living in New York for two years. Yeah. So I wouldn't have even, like, been living with my brother anymore. I would have been, like, living with some roommates in Bushwick. Yeah. Not dealing with Chuck? <laughs> not dealing with him asking to be friends again on Facebook and you sitting there in class for two days being like, why did I do this? Why did I make this mistake? 
I mean, dealing with plenty of other assholes, but... Not as bad as Chuck. Well. Look, any... Look, in the past couple of weeks, I would say any assholes I've dated in the past fail in comparison to, to, to the past couple of weeks. So I look, I look more fondly at everybody now. Emily and I share chucks, essentially. So, like, we both know that, like, there's, like, two super shitty people in the universe and they're both named Chuck. <laughs> Not not to be confused with close personal friend Chuck Wendick, who is awesome. <laughs> it's the best part about this is that like it's like compare and contrast like good and evil. Like it's here's evil Chuck and then here's like good Chuck Wendick, you know? Like it just it it makes sense. Yeah, no. Um on that note I do I just wanna uh say a quick thank you to everybody who reached out after our last episode. Uh, I know the beginning of that episode was fairly heavy and I I just I I can't say how much it meant to me that people that people got in contact with me, whether it was to, you know, offer advice or sympathy or pictures of their pets. Like I, I just it I really needed that. Um I mean, part of the fallout of everything that happened is just like kind of feeling worthless and unloved and to have confirmation that that is bullshit was really good. And so, yeah, just thank you for for taking the time to reach out and make sure I was doing okay. Yeah, we have a good support system. We have good people that, you know, listen to us and follow us and I'm very thankful for the community that we have because we're able to all like come together when like disaster hits or, you know, when people decide to be, you know, terrible human beings, you know, we have each other to rely on and to get rid of those problems. So. And in a week, like a weekend, 12 hours I'll be fucking hanging out with a bunch of my Star Wars friends how exciting yeah <sighs> well is there anything else you know that happened or that we want to add this week um, I don't think we're going to record next week out of respect for reuniting week the f- yeah and the fact that we wouldn't have any t- I wouldn't have any time to edit it and put it up so yeah, so we're probably we might be quiet for two weeks, depending on after so like how exhausted I am after celebration. Um, but we also like maybe we'll just release late that week or whatever. But we'll see. I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about anyway. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so Emily, where can you find you in the podcast on social media? I am on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. The show is at CantoBitePod. Where are you to be found? I am on Twitter and Instagram as CantoBrit. You can also send us email, CantoBitePod at gmail.com. If you're going to be at Celebration and we don't know you're going to be at Celebration, let us know you're going to be at Celebration. Like send us a, send us a DM or just a tweet and we'll try to find a time to say hi. Uh, I mean, like, obviously we know a lot of people who are going to be there, but there's always people who 
we don't and then it's a nice surprise but let us know yeah we'll put you on the schedule we'll do like meet and greets yeah. like we'll be like mm-hmm. mickey mouse like get your pictures with mickey mouse have breakfast with mickey and minnie <laughs> like how you see that celebrations doing that with uh matt, matt lanter and ashley Eckstein? like have breakfast with them like they're like that made me like they're fucking cartoon characters or something oh <laughs> wait they are <laughs> but i don't know like it, it, it's it's very screams like I'm having dinner with Mickey Mouse and I mean like it's fun but not for me but no yeah well anyways uh we'll we'll talk to you guys after celebration hope you have fun bye bye here we go. Yo, 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 and away we go It's time to serenade my girl Lindo Sorry the ladies where I had to say no But if I'm cheating on Serena, it's on Canto No shame in the game Make even Rogue One seem tame But I blame it on Brit with a ginger main main Yeah, that's fire Love on the rocks leaves the love on my socks Lindo fanfic leaves y'all shocked Especially when y'all truly whips out his cock Canto bite Episode 100 Hey yo, I'm back, no fulcrum this time I'm on a flight to the bay and I'm writing some rhymes My top three running through my head, you know So I had to come correct when they hit the hundo My girls E and B deserve congratulations Our adulation for the weekly creation My last celebration was all about them But this time I gotta drop lines for our friends This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches all my Canto bitches Start off with my Aussies Catherine's a sweet one Brought cash into lunch With Canto bitch number one Josh made it a team And had bourbon and cornflakes The kind of ice cream That made him show me his old face Got to meet Turbo And throw back some brew Fish tacos and San Fran You know we approve Rebecca from Perth I haven't met you yet Last shout to Fruity dude I didn't forget This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches all my canto bitches Rabia and Adele often email the show I cut a track on them trolls with Johnny Grasso Jesse McGee busted a rap for me Met her and Horse B at Scum and Villainy King Tom Death Watch The most regal of fathers Got to behold the luscious locks of Strata Shouted Rusty last time so I shout a Rush too You know the list ain't complete without lesson boo This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches all my canto bitches now if i didn't say your name don't feel no shame you love the fun the games and refresher bangs hang on every word of lindo's fanfic where she describes every vein in mendo's dick spread the word maybe buy a t-shirt i don't know maybe ask the girls if yaddle squirts take your cbd send in your top three and you'll always be a bitch like me get him eric